think about such things. Just let that sit and soak for just a moment. Think about such things. You can be seated. God's word is full of revelation and grace. This passage today is my text for this morning. I will give you, as I do every weekend, many other verses as I read the Word of God, as I study in preparation. But this verse is the crux. It's the meat. It's the matter. And I'm going to break this verse down in different ways trying to communicate to you the necessity, how essential it is to get God's Word in us and how to think on the things of the Lord God Almighty. So if you've got your Bibles there, you're looking there at Philippians 4.8, you're, you're looking at the top. I encourage you maybe even to circle the words, the word true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Just circle those words and maybe we'll come back to those a little bit later. The Apostle Paul speaking in the book of 2 Corinthians 5.17, a very foundational verse for anybody that comes to faith in Christ, says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has become. The new has come. A new pattern, a new way of thinking, a new life, a transformed life that follows after Jesus Christ. So as we come to faith in the Messiah, we walk after Jesus and we follow him and we obey him. And uh, sometimes it's like what we'll do is in our thinking process, we'll, we'll think that thought one more time and we know we shouldn't. Or we'll go for one more look, or we'll have one more binge, or we'll be one more codependent, or we'll be one more this, or we'll, we'll add one more event to our life. It's already overcrowded, and our minds just go crazy. Does anybody's mind just go nuts, and you just feel like it's going to explode? You're thinking so many thoughts. They have medicine for that, don't we? Yeah, I understand that. But you begin to overcome only from the inside out. As Christ resonates, as Christ dwells, as Christ captivates, as Christ lives from the inside out, overcoming from the inside out. Last weekend, I held up a book called Total Forgiveness by R.T. Kendall. Great book. And I hold up books from time to time, the greatest book being the infallibility of Holy Scripture, the Lord God's Word, the Bible. Man, that's supreme. Amen? And we want to love God's Word. But i like to give you alternative resources for you to go dive and do deeper study. So uh, some of you took that seriously, hopefully last weekend, and you have begun to get RT's work. Well, today I'm going to give you a book for the last 10 or 15 years. It's been probably my favorite book. Actually, my wife introduced me to this book because she's an avid reader. And, and I don't want you to sit here and debate me and send me letters whether you like women or you do like, I mean, I hope you like women if you're men, but whether you like women Bible teachers or you don't and all that, that that's, not what, that's not what we're debating here. I'm going to tell you, this woman is an anointed of the Lord Jesus Christ, and she has a gift, and she is so stinking practical. And I know I, I catch her from time to time. There's a lot of truth. Her name is Joyce Meyer, but let me tell you a book she wrote. I think it's the best book she's ever uh, uh, written, and my wife, I think, has all of them. But here it is. It's called The Battlefield of the Mind. Write it down. The Battlefield of the Mind. Every believer should have this book on their shelf because it is full of uncompromising word practicality and the word of Jesus Christ. And it just helps you realize that the battlefield is right here in our processor, right here in that soul part of man where our intellect, where our mind, will, and emotions seat in the brain. And God knows that if we get a handle on that, we can be and we will be victorious. But this morning, I want to look at roadsides along the way of life. We, we drive down the road and we pay attention to 
or we ignore signs speed limit signs i know i know you're obedient drivers not some of you probably are or you ignore this sign or you uh pay attention to that but these signs i want you to look at number one beware of the slippery slope of self-assurance see self has never and self will never help self self can't help self self can't save self self can't sustain self Self just can't do it on its own. If it did, Jesus didn't need to die, did he, church? And all these self-help books. I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna, I mean, I'm not gonna tell you that there's not a lot of uh, practical things in there, but ultimately, at the end of the day, when you lay your head on your pillow, self's not gonna help you. So you have to resign to the fact that I have to release my mind to Christ. I have to release my willpower to the one that is stronger than me, stronger than you, and that is Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I relinquish my mind to you. I yield to you today, Lord. God is working in us as Christ followers. And it's not something that we generate from the inside, but it's what Christ generates. It's what Christ fills. It's what Christ empowers us from the inside out. I like what it says in Galatians 3.3. Listen to this. Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you not now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Foolishness. If you're trying to do it in your flesh, in your in, in, in that uh, possibilities of the flesh, you're, you're going to go awry. You're going you're to be mistaken every time. Your, your flesh just cannot solve salvation. Your, your flesh cannot solve the woes and the dilemmas of life in itself. So however you start, you end up. See, the Christian pilgrimage, the faith, is a marathon. It's not a hundred-yard sprint, as Dan DeHaan once said, but it's a marathon in life, and you run. And it's not how you start, although it is important to start. Don't hear me say that. You need to come to the cross. But it's not how you start, it is how you finish. You finish well. In the spirit of the Olympics that we've been watching, and I love several things about the Olympics. The Olympics means the the world, at least civilized, or so many nations, they try to unify under this banner of athletic competition. And it's a beautiful thing to see it for the most part. It really is. Very few attitudes. And uh, but but this thing here is, is God wants us to rally. He, he wants us to unify in Him. But He wants us He wants us to endure. He wants us to finish the race. And and if you watch the Olympics, any like we have at our house, you you see some of these downhill snowboarders and alpines and slalom, and they start really well. And there's a, an accident. The, the conditions there in Vancouver have been less than admirable. Would you say? I was watching the other day, and I thought I had a black and white TV for about ten minutes. I'm like, whoa, fuzz. I mean, it reminded me growing up in the 60s when you, you know, when you'd hold those rabbit ears, you know, it was, it was pitiful and all that. They're skiing in that stuff, baby. But you know what? It's how they finish. And that means where they're on the metal stand. Well, for us, it's like, hey, we endure. We make it into the kingdom of heaven. We give glory to Jesus Christ because the Bible says you're new creatures. Don't you love that, that God calls us creatures? We, we say, I wish you would say creations. Well, I could, but he also says creatures. Number two, beware of the sign of feelings. There's a sign there that's marked out in feelings. And in feelings, I just go ahead and give it to you early. Feelings are fickle. Feelings are just utterly foolish. I mean, they're good and I, I feel good. I feel like having tacos. That's not what the Mexico team would say today. I feel like having this. I've, have y'all ever felt like not being nice to somebody? 
that's not, don't brag on that. That's sin. But sometimes we have those fits and we don't want to be nice. And, and I don't feel like doing this. And it's, it's always the right thing to do, but sometimes you don't feel like doing the right thing. But you choose, you exercise your will, your mind controls, it's renewed in Christ, and you begin to follow. In AA, they have a great expression. Fake it until you make it. Now, the first hearing of that, you go, are you asking us, calling us to hypocrisy? Certainly not. But what they know in the AA groups is if they will begin to act in a certain way, begin to modify that behavior, begin to not drink, begin to, to the flow and the following this, and they just continue to like exercise and walk it out over time, then it becomes a behavior and it becomes part of their life. So maybe they start with maybe not the best of intentions, but Christ delivers them. It's like this. Have you ever made a lifestyle change? Here's one diet and exercise when did you ever feel like not eating a twinkie can you just tell me yesterday uh, rachel was in a wedding it was a beautiful wedding they had wonderful food to participate and i've been exercising since i was about eight years old and i exercise a lot and i do the elliptical but i eat a lot too and uh, and it doesn't quite counteract all of it but but i eat better and donna really helps me be better and do you know again somebody walked up to me the other day they weren't in the church last sunday they didn't listen to the podcast that i know of and they said did your wife know what you're eating I said, yeah, she knows I'm having a hot dog. I told her. And then they went, oh, is, is, is there, is there emails going around town? Like when you see the pastor eating something, call Donna quickly. <laughs> Give me a break, man. It's just like, I wish somebody called you every time you did something that was less than, you know, I mean, you ought to see some of the stuff she makes me eat or, or she encourages me to eat. And I eat that and I exercise, but I eat some of the other stuff. But it's always the right thing to do to get the right diet, to have the right exercise. But you don't feel like it. She's, she's a big exerciser. You know, it used to be me now in the last several years. It's her and she leads me. But we go. And now that we have an empty nest, we go to the gym a lot tonight at night together. And then we come home and have a, a, a light dinner or whatever. And it's a fun thing. But there's some nights, some afternoons late. We look at Joe. Do you want to go? Are you kidding? I'd rather go out there and get hit by cars. But we know it's the right thing to do, baby. You know what I'm saying? Hey, can, can I just go ahead and be really real? If you're honest, you don't always feel like reading your Bible. But it's always the right thing to do. You know why I say that? Because when there's sin in your life, it's hard to read the Word of God. I know experientially. And when you confess it, you get clean. Then God gives you desire for his word. So it's always the right thing to do. You choose to do the right thing, but sometimes it's hard. It's like I talk to people that quit smoking. They go, it feels really odd not having something hanging out of my mouth. But it's the right thing to do. It's the healthy thing to do. It's the cheap thing to do. Whatever it is, you know, somebody wants to ask me, says, Pastor, I smoke, am I going to go to heaven? You know, I have to sit there and think theologically about that for a minute. No, I, I really don't. I go, yeah, I believe you will. I just think you're probably going to go a lot quicker than me. <laughs> but it's your choice. Galatians 6, 9. Y'all still laughing. Wow, okay. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I love that. The Apostle Paul says, 
we'll reap some spiritual fruit, some spiritual dividends. There'll, there'll be a harvest at God's appointed time if we don't give up. That's what I love about Olympians. They, they don't give up. They endure. They fight to the bitter end. I mean, man, just... I love summer and Olympic games, the spirit of competition, the spirit of endurance. But the greatest thing about Olympics is the stories that I hear about these men and women, these champion athletes, and the grueling price they've paid as athletes and as families to get them there. And what odds. And even that wonderful Canadian bronze medal skater that lost her mom as she'd flown into Vancouver and then she endured and she won a medal. It just ripped my heart out. Has it ripped your heart out? Now, I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm a little fonder of Canada than most of you. My son-in-law came from there. He's Canadian. I love him. He just led you to the throne of grace. Amen? He reminds me this afternoon we play at 3.30, 2. Yeah, I knew you would know. See, he was going to tell me at 3.30 after it was over. Okay. But the USA-Canadian duel. But here it is. You're, you're being confident. You're pressing on. You're, uh, you're saying, God, I don't want to be hung up on my fingers. Let's look at the third one. Beware of the pothole of perfectionism. You know, we, we like to do things well. Jesus is all about excellence. He says, think about such things that are excellent. Do things in an excellent manner. When you bring your gift, bring your best gift in a perfect kind of way that you want to imitate your Father in heaven. When you sing your song, you bring your best song. When you teach a class, there are teachers on the front halls right now working with kids. They're bringing their best gifts to nurture kids. The ones who work with teenagers, they're bringing their best gifts. Christ wants excellence. But sometimes we get so hard on ourselves, we overlook the progress that God's doing within us. And there's a decision here. And I want you to hear this. It was for freedom that Christ died to set us free. See, if we're struggling this morning and we need to hear that sign of perfectionism, sometimes we just need to go, you know, I need to accept a little less than perfect because, you know, here, here, what is perfectionism, if you don't know? The refusal to accept, accept the, any standard short of perfection. Oh, there's only one perfect being. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the example. He is the model so I'm not asking us to give in to mediocrity. I can't stand mediocrity. I, I hate when we fail around here and we do things in a... Like today, can I just go ahead and tell you? There's a couple errors today in your worship, God. And, uh, and, and it's the... Uh, and and, and I, I, I missed the word and I left out some affinitives. You know what an affinitive is? Or determiners, you know, of... I, I left out some English words. I know better! And I'm like, ah, and you that are English teachers, you're just like freaking out looking at my outline. Going, oh, my goodness, you're causing me not to worship Jesus. <laughs> and some of you are like, I don't even know what a determiner is. I've not even seen one. Would you please break that down into Greek for me quickly? <laughs> you know, but I understand. And I like what Philippians 1, 6 says, being confident of the very thing that he began a good work in me, he began a good work in you, and he will then bring it on to completion in Christ Jesus. See, one day you will be perfect. One day you shall see in part. You shall see him as he is. You shall behold him in all of his glory and wonder and grace. Hallelujah. I long for that day. Sinful me, sinful you, see in Christ and Lord, somehow we want to overcome this pothole because I don't know if you've noticed lately in our city, I can tell our tax revenue base is way down. I've really been noticing this. The roads all, all out, even out here in East Montgomery, 
are really declining rapidly. Does anybody notice that besides me? Get on the interstates now and cross our state. Have you noticed how potholes are peaking up all across our landscape? And you that care about alignment of your tires, you, you, you know, I went and had my tires realigned yesterday. I do that. I realize, man, these potholes, are, they're destructive. They mess things up. So avoid potholes in your spiritual journey. Fourth thing, beware of the rut of old relationships. Now, I want, to hear, I want the young people to hear this. I want you to hear this, teenagers. I want you to hear this, elementary kids. But hey, senior adults, middle-aged folks, young couples, young singles, I want you to hear this. Beware of the rut of old relationships. When they settled the West, they had the wagons that would go, not when I was a little boy, and, uh, and these wagon wheels. And as, a, as they would go, over a period of time, they would make out deep ruts in the land. And some just said, hey, just get in a rut and follow it, and it, it'll take you somewhere. Duh. That's directionless. That's purposelessness. And we want to be people of purpose. We want to follow out. But here, as they traveled, they just kind of got in. So here's what I'm trying to say to us practically. Some of us in this room need to steer away from old friends and old relationships, but I want you to hear this carefully. Over three decades ago when I met Jesus Christ at Troy University, I had some huge decisions to make. I was a party child. I did a lot of things that brought no glory to my Savior. I didn't know him. Jesus Christ met me in alumni hall in the dorm and he radically changed my life. And he spoke to me very quickly about salvation and about following him and becoming like Jesus. And he began to steer me away. You gotta, there's a fine balance. I'm not saying you to be spiritual snobs. I can't stand spiritual snobs. How about you? God has no place for them. The toughest thing for me as a Christ follower and as a pastor, I have less and less non-Christian friends that I associate with, and I get real excited when I get to hang out with some pagans because that's just not the crowd I run with. But what I'm saying is we, we balance light and truth and grace. But some of you in this room, listen, you know these relationships compromise your faith. You know these relationships hurt you. You know these relationships are bringing you down. There's nothing in your life being fashioned about Jesus. And you just need to, you need to cut away. You need to move away. You need to choose some friends that will build you up. I, I remember as an early Christ follower, beginning to find men and women of faith that spoke life to me. And so I just think, I, I understand, man, you're, you're really ringing that, Pastor. It's because the church does not look any different much from the world. There are a lot of, it's Chuck Kiefer, I'm going to quote that theologian. There's a lot of Sunday Christians running around. Praise God! Oh, Lord! Glory! Walk out of here and live like a pagan. God's like, I want to change my church. I want to change lives. I want you to move. I want you to have courage to address a situation if you know it's unhealthy. Be courageous. Christ will give strength. Listen to Galatians 5, 7. He says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? Who kept you from obeying the truth? Turkey? Why did you fall off the path? Why did you miss the mark? Why did you go a different way? You were walking in truth, but somebody cut in, somebody hindered, somebody, in, it, was, it was an impediment there of your spiritual progress. That's why right now, this morning, people have come back from Mexico. They're fired up for Jesus. They've been in community. They've been living together. They've been loving Christ. They've been serving one another. They've been serving the needs of Mexicans. Awesome, awesome. I got news for them in the morning. It's going to be different. You're going to serve a lot of other people and how will you serve. But I want you to hear 1 Corinthians, write it down. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. This is a great verse for all of us. Do not be misled. Bad 
company corrupts good character. You and I become like who we hang around, who we associate with. We talk like them. We speak like them. We watch stuff like them. We copy their mannerisms. We copy their behavior if we're not careful. And let's copy Christ. So 525 in the book of Galatians, Galatians 525 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I I love that word. As we've been redeemed, as we live by the Spirit, now let's keep in step with the Spirit. Isn't it a beautiful thing to keep in with the Spirit of God and step with it? And you know when you're in sync, you know when you're in unity, you know when you're in fellowship. And you know when you're out of it, but so does everybody else. But over in the 17th chapter of Exodus, I think, no, it's, it's over in Exodus. I don't know if it's 17, I'm sorry. But over there, there's a wonderful guy, his name's Moses. And Moses one day has a, um, an encounter with God. And Moses is there in the presence of Jehovah. He's in the presence of God. He's meeting with him. And God asked a simple question one day of Moses. He said, Moses, I want you to do something. I want you to remove your sandals, boy. You're standing on holy ground. And I did that to illustrate a deep spiritual truth this morning. I stand on hollowed ground. And so do you. And those that fear the Lord will recognize the holiness of God. And somehow when we say, oh God, give us pure hearts and give us clean hands. We don't want to be contaminated by the things of this world even though we live in the world. So I'm just going to leave these shoes here this morning to remind you and I that we're standing on hollowed, holy, pure ground. But when we walk out of here, I pray there'll still be holy ground that we'll follow after Jesus Christ. Because you see, here's what Moses did. God said, Moses, I want you to go skin to skin with me, son. All your blemishes and sin, I don't want you to hold back. I don't want you to hide it. I want you to be with me. And I want you to be holy. Matter of fact, I demand that you be holy. I require that of you. There's not a lot of holy preaching across the Western world. We talk about a lot of biblical things, and I know I certainly do that too. But I want you to hear this sacred word. We're on holy ground. We're in the presence of a holy king. He demands it. Amen? It's a good word, isn't it? So he says, here's a sign here. There's there's something I want to do. You come to God barefoot. You come to God being what you can be. In Psalm 139, just write it down. I used it a couple weeks ago. Psalm 139, 23, 24. Search me, O God, and see if there be any anxious, offensive way within me. And then, O God, lead me in the way of everlasting life. God, search us, probe us, search deep, do careful exploration. God, transform us. In the Greek, there's, there's a word. It's called metamorpho, metamorpho. And out of the word metamorpho, we get metamorphosis, chrysalis, caterpillar, beautiful butterfly. 
And in that, God says, I want to transform you and me by grace. Metamorpho. God changes today, oh God, because we come, because God, we realize that old relationships have stained us. Old relationships have made us miss the mark. Somehow, these associations, we're not walking the highway of holiness as Isaiah tells us. But oh God, do something. Fifth, yield, the yield sign. I love yield signs. Had a yield sign right out on my corner of the house, didn't I? Uh, well, Bruce is in the last service. He remembers in, in my yard there in Dalreda where I grew up. My stepmom still lives there. There's a yield sign. Now, a yield sign, I don't even know if you even know what a yield sign means. For you, it means go fast. But it means slow, down, look, proceed with caution. Just thought I'd give out a little highway tip. But yield to right thinking. See, the soul is, to, is, is the mind here. It's the seat of the intellect. It's like get a grip on your mind. But I want you to look at Philippians 4.8. It's at the very top of your outline. It's right there where your finger's in the Bible. I want you to look at this. He talks about true, connected to the truth. Just circle true. Connecting yourself to the truth, putting on the belt of truth. Then he says noble, those things that are not worthless, they're not frivolous. But Lord, I want to follow after you. Then he says go for the right. That's opposed to the unjust thoughts. Lord, I want to be rightly with you, pure. I want to put off the dirty, lustful thinking of my life. I want to be like you. Lovely, pleasing, gracious, forgiving, compassionate, excellent. And the excellent just means is Jesus Christ pleased and praiseworthy? Would others praise me if they chose to because of the life that I reflected to another? But I want to set it up this way. Many years ago, I began to memorize scripture and did a decent job. I, when I first got saved, somebody in, in, uh, they said, Keith, I want you to watch this guy. His name's Jack Van Impey. He's called the walking Bible. Oh my goodness. That's where I learned to write really messy. I would take notes and the guy would give hundreds of scripture in a 35 minute message. I, I never, he, all he, the whole Bible memorized and there's no way I could debate him because I couldn't even write down the references. He was going so fast and it was just amazing. And I've met people that have sharp minds and I used to quote scripture with this guy in our city and we do a verse for verse and then two verses for two verses and three for three. And then he went chapter to chapter and then a smart out said book for book and I bailed out. But I wish that I hung in there. And in this study, in this preparation, God spoke to me ever so clearly this week. And I'm going to be transparent. And I invite you to join me on this because we need to do it. But i got to ask you something first. When he talks about renew our mind, I, I said something to you the other day about putting on the helmet of uh, the helmet of truth. Can you do your hands like this? It was real fun. Do that with me again. Put on the helmet of truth. Okay. Now, put your hands there because you look silly. Okay. How many of you, not necessarily you did that, how many of you have been putting on the helmet of truth? A few. Gentlemen and ladies, boys and girls, I did not tell you that because I didn't have something else to say. I did that because I'm your shepherd and because I want you to protect your thinking, protect your mind. And the church said, put it on, put on the armor daily, church. Now I'm going to give you your second assignment. You failed the first one for the most part, okay? Be sober-minded. But I'm going to give you something right now that can change your life. Radical. Okay. How many people want to have their lives changed? 
Anybody want to have their life changed? Because if you don't want to have your life changed, you're really wasting my time. You're wasting your time. But let me tell you if you want to have your life changed. Meditate. Memorize the Word of God. Here's what God did to me. I've had little packets. I've had this one. Cad and Mike, a bunch of men used to meet with me. Parker, Bruce. And God just began to really speak. And I wrote down this passage, Philippians 4.8. And I'm carrying it with me. And I'm just meditating on this. And I'm committing it back to memory. And here's what I'm wanting to do. For the rest of my life, I want to memorize one verse a week for the rest of my days. Not very tough, just one verse a week. Here's what I'm asking you. Would you join your pastor in memorizing at least one verse a week for the rest of your life? This is Family Sunday. I had a little boy sit right there on the second row last service. He's an intellectual prodigy genius, okay? And I said, Micah, would you take this serious? Would you meditate on one verse the rest of your life, all the weeks of your life? He just looked at me with the biggest smile. I hope I live to see him at 60 years of age. And you might be 60 or 70 in here or 20 or 10 or 15, but here's what the Spirit of God quieted me on. He says, Keith, I know you love me, but you have squandered my truth And you could have been so much more had you taken scripture memorization serious. He said, I want you to meditate, but I want you to challenge your flock tomorrow. So I'm challenging today. The gauntlet's coming down in two weeks. I'm going to come back and say, okay, have you memorized it? I don't want seven hands. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Are you serious about the things of the eternal kingdom? Then memorize his word. I wish we could be known as the church of the word that we know it but we believe it let me tell you what my girls do i don't do rachel's anymore jimmy that's your responsibility but i used to take care of her car and her mom and hannah's and mine now i have three but i love to drive my girls cars because they do the coolest thing they write scripture and they put them over the gauges now that's a little scary but it's a sanctified car so i'm figuring it's up to jesus take care of it okay but they'll have scripture. So when I drive their car, it's the most awesome thing. I just, I just read the word of God and I see what my little girls are filling their mind with. It's powerful. So put it on your visor, put it on your gauges. And I don't know where you find these. Google it. I mean, you know, I Google everything I want to know. But somehow, would, would our church take serious the challenge of memorization? Do you realize I should already know about 1,700 verses in 32 years? And you're saying, well, well, pastor, I can't do that. You can. Memorizing God's word will make you sharp. Memorizing God's word will help you overcome. It'll give you a right way of thinking. We can all do one verse a week. Amen. Can we do it, church? Now, I'm going to come back and I'll tell you what. If you go, oh, that was a nice challenge, pastor. You really got fired up. I even saw a vein poke out your neck. No. When I come into my father's house and to the eternal kingdom, he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I want part of it to be because I've loved his word. And I hid it in my heart that I wouldn't sin against him. Is that a fair word for you? It's a good word. Lord, fix our minds upon the things of heaven. Fix our mind upon your word. Lord, I don't need worry and fear and confusion to drive out my peace, but I want Christ. 
Write down Psalm 19, 7 through 11. I don't have time to go with all the verses, but Psalm 19, 7 through 11. Just begin to look at that. And I like what Colossians 3, 2 says. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Lord Jesus, may you be my gaze. May I gaze upon the beauty of your name. May I gaze upon the beauty of heaven upon you, Lord Jesus. Set my mind, elevate my mind to heaven, not to things of this world. Renew my mind. Romans 12, 2, that beautiful passage. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but somehow be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The breastplate that protects your mind. And now God's word is beginning to renew. It's beginning to fill. It's beginning to filter down. It's beginning to filter out junk. Oh, God, because I want you to write this down. Wrong thoughts always lead to wrong actions. You and I, when we have wrong thoughts, and man, we have them a lot. This weekend, to preach this word, I have been challenged with some wrong, erroneous, sinful thinking. And God's just been, whoa. I want to clean that up. I want to give you right thinking because right thinking leads to righteousness and it leads to the things of the Father. You see, you will not change your behavior until you change your thoughts. So you can want to change, but until you change your thought process, your thought pattern with a renewed mind, do you know in Jesus Christ you and I have the mind of Christ? In Christ, we have the mind of Jesus. Hallelujah! You're saying, well, man, I don't live like it. Well, then get it renewed. Renew it with your pastor. Let's renew it together. Let's encourage. You see, I long for our church to be the Acts 2 church, and I talk about it, and I preach about it, and it sounds good, but we don't do it. See, and, and this is not what happens in our city. I go to this evangelism conference, and I, and I talk to pastors all the time, and all we do is we transfer the sheep, and we have very little conversion growth. And I want to tell you, in the years that I have left, I want to see the conversion rate explode in our city for Jesus Christ. Do you? Conversion, salvation, change, deliverance. And it starts with you and I. And part of it's going to be getting in a renewed mindset and a renewed thinking and say, Lord, do it in us. If we just begin to chew in the scripture, I'm going to tell you, God's going to do something. I hope, you see, I'm going to listen to this message again. I've preached it twice. It'll go to Troy University this one because they go on spring break next week. So in a few weeks delayed and they'll receive this word and I'll listen to this word and I need to be reminded over and over. So do you church. Oh God, do something, shape us, put a leash on us. God, what do you do when you put a leash on your dog? The dog takes you for a walk, doesn't it? Well, it could, if it's a big dog, but God wants us to be tethered. He wants us to be leashed to the word and in the leashing. He shapes us. He fashions. He frames our hearts. Oh, God, may I chew on your word. I read a word yesterday. I've not seen it in a long time. I never use this word. I'll probably never use it again, but I'm going to use it right now. We need to let the word ruminate in us. Whoever uses the word ruminate? That's a great word. Meditate. I like the word pontificate. That means one that has big mouth and talks a lot. Okay, here we go. Number six. Don't say amen. Okay, number six. Go with a vision from God. Just go with a vision from the eternal Habakkuk. Don't you love that Habakkuk? It sounds like you're chewing tobacco and you don't know what you're saying or what you're doing. Habakkuk. He's a minor prophet. Powerful little story. Need to read it two or three times. Get a commentary because I'm not going to break it all down. But he's this, he's this prophet. He's angry. He's frustrated. He wants to hear from God. He gets on his face and he cries out to God. 
And God basically tells him to wait. Now, has that happened to anybody besides me? God likes for me to wait. He likes for you to wait. And here on this thing, he, he waits on God. But here's what God tells him. Look, look, look at the verse. It says, Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation, make it plain on the tablet, so that a herald may run with it. Here's the practical application of this. Get alone today. Take a sheet of paper and a pen and write down what you hear from God. Did you know God will speak to those that ask him? Do you know God will speak to those that seek after him? Ask God to speak and begin to share, begin to reveal that. Oh, Lord, and I think God's saying, are you ready for the answer? Go to that quiet place. Do you earnestly expect God to answer? Oh, I pray you do. I pray that I do. Because when we wait on God, we have an expectation, a spiritual answer comes so many times. But there's a message truth I want you to see here quickly. No stinking thinking. Mindsets are crucial. They're the keys to one's attitudes and to one's actions. The way for sinful action is paved through sinful thinking. See, you, you, you have a, a false, a sinful, a carnal mindset. It, it leads you down the path you don't want to go. And then you have actions that follow your thinking. But if you get a renewed mind, as I've been begging you and me to have this morning to begin to explore and begin to look at. Matter of fact, let's turn over to Romans 8, 5. Can you turn over there with me? Look at Romans. Oh, what a genius writer. How it propagates our faith. How it defends. Listen to what Paul says in 8.5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the... uh, Spirit is life and peace, and the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. But listen to the hope of verse 9. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you. My prayer is that Christ Jesus lives in you. So God is trying to tell you and I today... Align your thinking with Scripture. Align your thinking with me. In uh, the 23rd chapter of Proverbs, the 7th verse, he says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What we think, what we reflect, what we meditate upon, that's who we become. And if we're thinking uh, godly things if we're building godly character godly relationships we become like christ i like this where the mind goes the man follows where your mind and my mind goes the man follows that the woman the boy and girl follows that action so today god just wants to change us a little bit or change us a lot transform us and i'm just wondering today in this message do you, um do you desire a renewed do you desire to think differently than you've ever thought before? I do. And I beg you to go with me in faith that we'll walk together. Amos said, how can two walk together unless they choose to do so, choose to agree? And I choose to agree with Jesus. And I hope you choose to agree with Jesus and now us with each other and we just walk out this faith walk. God, renew our minds Give us the eternal word that we might not sin against you, but give us 
character and grace and peace. You see, I long for the day that people say the people of this fellowship are so different than the people of the world. Their lives have been changed. They're being changed day to day, glory unto glory. And then we're seeing the lost. Because see, when the lost sees the real deal, when they see the real life, when they see the Christ life really being formed and lived out, they hunger for it. Because God has made me and you with the desire and the capacity, and he created a vacuum in our heart that only Christ can fill. And unless you follow Christ, you always search and you always miss. But praise be to God, the Lord God who comforts us. Does he comfort you today? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for my wonderful friends and for grace and for this message of truth and revelation. Father, I pray that today, by your grace, there would not be condemnation, but there would be a gentle urge, a pressing in and a pressing on to know more of Christ. That we could be crucified with Christ and yet we live. Lord, change our minds today. Renew our minds by your Spirit, God. Change our behavior and our actions because we first fall in love with you and your Word. May we learn to filter our lives through the word of God. Make us people of the book. Show me, show us what that looks like. And Lord, I pray that today if somebody's never cried out to Jesus, they would just cry out in humble faith and say, Lord Jesus, it is I that needs salvation. It is I that needs a savior. I am wicked and sinful. Save me today, Lord Jesus. Have mercy on me. And I'll promise you one thing, Jesus will hear your prayer and he'll meet you where you are. Share that now with one at the cross. Share that with one in the room, but share it and live the faith until he comes again.